Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thanks for joining us in this episode of Innovation Friday, the podcast where we take a deep dive into the vital roles that hospital and health system pharmacy practitioners play in new and emerging sciences. My name is Sophia Chai, and today we'll be chatting with Chris Grilly, clinical specialist pharmacist in pharmacogenomics at Mayo Clinic, to discuss the important roles pharmacists play in pharmacogenomics from a practice and research perspective and how these services were implemented at Mayo Clinic. Chris, thanks so much for joining us today. It's wonderful to be here. Well, before we get into pharmacogenomics, Mm -hmm. uh, how about we just start with a little bit about your journey into pharmacogenomics? Yeah, you know, I think it started in college for me um, when I got exposed to, you know, biochemistry and really starting to learn about the role DNA can play uh, in patient care. And it got me really jazzed because the impact was extraordinary. And that really kind of planted a seed. And then, you know, as I evolved through my career, I mean, I was a young practicing pharmacist and, and I mean, we would always get the SIP 3A4 alerts and, and, you know, a lot of us would be like, what do we do with these? And, uh, you know, at the time we knew they mattered. We just didn't know who they mattered for and, and when they mattered. And so, you know, when pharmacogenomics came out, I, I was really excited because that gave us kind of the answer to those questions. And then, uh, you know, as I kind of evolved through my career, I, I got this opportunity to kind of head the ambulatory practice at, at Mayo Clinic uh, for a little bit. Uh, and as part of my role, I got to sit on the pharmacogenomics task force at Mayo, which was really the first kind of Mayo Clinic multidisciplinary collaborative team to kind of say, okay, how are we going to implement pharmacogenomics at our institution? And I've been on that committee for a number of years, and now it's grown into um, other committees and, and other opportunities. And then just last year, I was very grateful and humbled to receive an extra, some extramural funding that has been able to establish my role kind of as a permanent pharmacogenome searcher and clinician uh, at Mayo Clinic. And so uh, it's been a very um, fun ride. It's been a non-traditional journey for sure, uh, but I wouldn't change it for the world. Oh, I love that. And, you know, we're just fortunate to have you on this podcast to, to kind of share your journey and uh, your expertise with our membership. You know, definitely Mayo Clinic's been a, a pioneer in this space. So I think it's really great experience to share. So let's talk about it. Why should we care about pharmacogenomics? Well, I think it all boils down to we spend a lot of money on medicines. Yeah, I think the last time we tabulated, it was about $466 billion just on drugs themselves. And then we spend about another $520-528 billion on the morbidity and mortality associated with those drugs. So when you combine the two, it's close to a trillion dollars. And right now, been you know, numerous um, publications that have pointed to kind of the inaccuracy of the the guess and check model we have right now, right? So about 48% of the time we get it right the first time. And then um, it, 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 you know, as we guess more, obviously the probability of getting it right for the patient increases. And so uh, pharmacogenomics greatly improves that in the domains where the the science um, is there, right? And so uh, that's really probably the biggest reason for me is, you know, I think if we look at any population metric around medicines, I think we can do it much better. I mean, we do the best we can with the tools we have and and pharmacogenomics is just an improvement on those tools. And so as we start to become experts in this field as pharmacists, and and that's really an important point, right? Our institution at Mayo Clinic really looks to pharmacists to be kind of leaders in this space. 
And as we become more efficient, uh, more competent, and, and more skilled in this arena, we really have an opportunity to move that needle at that 48% of getting it right the first time. Yeah, I love that. I love that. But I, you did touch a little bit earlier in your intro about sort of your venture into being a full-time pharmacogenomics researcher and receiving that full funding. Can you talk a little bit, a little, a little more about that? And yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so my interests. So obviously, I, I'm, I fancy myself. I don't know if anyone else would call me this, but I'm, I'm very interested in the translation of pharmacogenomics into practice, mm-hmm. right? So, so there's. I mean, there's all sorts of folks that are doing amazing work to, to get the, the clinical phenotypes correlated to the, the genotypes, which then drives kind of interventional kind of interventions, right? And so where my area of, of focus really has been is taking those kind of pairs and saying, okay, how do we implement these interventions within the practice? And so that's really where, where I started. And that's where my journey um, has taken me. And so I think we need an army of pharmacists, really that are thinking about, okay, we've got these really great PhDs and these really great molecular pharmacologists who are, who are giving us basically the, the answer to who does 3A4 impact and how does it impact them without us having to have this conversation with like a thousand patients, right? We, we know the 10 people that now have the variant that will predict, a, a, you know, some sort of poor outcome because of uh, metabolic disturbances. And so, you know, how are we as pharmacists going to implement that into our practice, right? Not just in health systems, but at the dispensing counter, in long-term care facilities, in infusion centers. I mean, we're everywhere, really, when you think about it. Wherever meds are, you typically see a pharmacist. And pharmacogenomics has broad applicability across that. And so so my journey has brought me to that kind of how do we create these, you know, evidence-based, repeatable interventions uh, that others can use. Yeah, I think that's key. That's key. Getting it from the science to practice. I love that, Chris. I wonder if we could talk a little bit more about what you touched on, just the overall role of pharmacists and pharmacists. And, you know, just based on your experience, what you're hoping to discover with your research, you know, how does this all play into kind of almost the future of healthcare? Yeah, yeah. And it is really truly the future of healthcare. And it's not just pharmacogenomics, but multiomics approach, right? Clinomics, epigenomics, there's all sort of, you know, metabolomics, the microbiome. I mean, I could go on and on, right? So there's a suite of genomic applications that are starting to come out. And, and really as pharmacists, we are looked to, at least in our institution, to be the experts in the pharmacogenomic space, right? And so as, as, and we're uniquely positioned to this, right? So I, I'm on record and I'll go on record again on your podcast saying, Pharmacists are, are, it's scary, right? You know, you superimpose genomics. It's like, oh, I, I don't know if I can do that. I mean, we know all about the proteins. I mean, that's what we spent most of our time in pharmacy school learning, right? Is how the proteins are built, what they do, how they interact, you know, what happened, like structure activity relationships. I, 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 I cracked my medical chemistry book the other day for a patient I was consulting on. And so it kind of reminded me of, of this, you know, those kinds of things. And so all genomics does is add a really, uh, a really insightful tool to tell you more detail about all the stuff we already know, right? So instead of, instead of saying, well, there's a 10% probability that this could happen or a 20% probability that this could happen, we actually know how that protein's built and we know what, how it's going to function. And so 
it really bodes well for pharmacists to kind of just fall into line with their existing training. Now, with that said, like, what's its impact on the future, right? How is this evolve, changing the practice of pharmacy? Um, I think we're look, you know, at least at Mayo, we're very much being looked to as, as you know, future leaders of this space, right? And, and not just in the clinical practice, but in the education of it and in the research of it as well. And, and I think if we don't, and, and, you know, Mayo has kind of a three shield approach, which I think is, was brilliant, right? So at the center is our patients, and then we're flanked by research and education, which also feeds into our patient care models. And so, so we are always being challenged to learn more about our subspecialties. And then when we learn something, how are we sharing that? How are we educating that? And anybody who's listening, I challenge you to kind of approach it with that mindset, uh, because it will take a village uh, to, to kind of move this science forward to benefit the, the literally millions of people this could potentially benefit. Yeah, I love that. Speaking of, I guess, implementation, can you talk through a little bit of, you know, some of the challenges and, and of course, the wins you've had in implementing pharmaceutical yeah. services in Arizona? Yeah, so the, the first big challenge was the lab. And so, so you know, lab is such a big part of, of kind of clinical practice. Uh, and as you kind of transition away from a traditional dispensing role into kind of a clinic role, uh, you really have to understand that. And, you know, genomics is such a unique lab, right? So, so typically, you know, if you're going to do a, a CBC or a lipids or whatever, right, it's a point in time. And that tells you what's going on at that point in time. And you make your recommendations, your adjustments based on it, where genomics is like a lifelong lab. And so very early on, we were scratching our heads being like, what do we do with this information? This is not just relevant for this care visit. There's a longitudinal component to this. And that was something that we've worked very hard. How do we incorporate this into the medical record? Then once it's in there, how do we use it? How do we build clinical decision support around it? Uh, these were all things we had to grapple with as we start to, I mean, it's pretty simple to collect someone's DNA, right? It's a little swab in the mouth and you, you run it through the sequencer. And now all of a sudden you get this output of this incredibly rich information and it isn't a moment in time. It is longitudinal and it has very real implications, not just today, but all across the arc of a, of, of a patient's kind of care journey through your institution, but then also other institutions. So that was the first big challenge uh, with it. And, and we're working really hard to fix that. Then this, the second challenge was actually who's going to provide the consults, right? And, and, and Mayo started out, you know, thinking that, well, we would just, physicians would just order the lab. And then they would get the returned results and then they would just make the changes. And, and what we very quickly realized was you need someone who understands proteins and the, and the interplay of genetics and proteins and pharmacists were perfect for this, right? So we get in there and we're like, yeah, yeah, we, we know about drug targets and, and all this kind of stuff. Oh, if this is present, it reduces the functioning of, by, of this protein by 60%. I know what to do with that. And so we very much kind of fell into pharmacogenomics because it was such a natural organic fit. Then that posed like all sorts of other things. You know, how do you incorporate a pharmacist in a clinic workflow, right? So, so you know, our traditional practices, the pharmacist is part of the care team, right? Not necessarily the head of the care team, but in pharmacogenomics, you're the head, like you're the consult in, in this. And so that was a really unique spot for us where, you know, we basically were kind of the, the, the person that was looked to 
uh, to to kind of drive the leadership component of that. And so it was it's awesome. I, I can't imagine myself in any other position uh, with it. But but you know, to those that are listening, I mean, you really have to view yourself as a leader in this space in your institution if you're going to be successful. And and that means learning everything you can about the lab, scheduling, how you you know what are your clinic workflows, you know how do you incorporate this into non-experts, right? So family, you know, family practice probably deals with this the most, right? You know, and, and these are some of the considerations you, you got to think about. Yeah, that's all excellent advice. Maybe just to kind of wrap everything, you know, tie with a bow here, mm-hmm. knowing what you know now, you know, and, and then your journey when you started all of this, what would you have told yourself then? What would I have told myself at the beginning of my pharmacogenomics journey? You know, I would have probably prepared myself for kind of the visceral emotional reaction my patients had. That really put me on my heels. I mean, I'm not a hugger, but when I I get hugged more than you, and this is back when we saw people in person, we do them telehealth now. So I have a a screen now that protects me. But um, I mean, people literally, I did not realize how impactful when medicines don't go right for someone. I didn't realize how powerful, you know, giving someone an answer to, to why their medicines aren't working could potentially be. And, and for me, I wasn't prepared for it. Like, I mean, I got mm-hmm. teary eyed in a couple consults being like, Hey, listen, this isn't, this is science. It ain't me, you know? And, and really what, what, you know, I mean, a, a great example is, is, you know, CYP1A2, star F1, star F1 with caffeine metabolism in women that are pregnant and potentially increasing their risk for spontaneous fetal abortion or miscarriages. I mean, when we have that conversation with women, almost always they're like, that explained it. It wasn't me, right? It it, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't something that I could have controlled. And so, so it, it becomes really powerful. It becomes a really powerful conversation with them to give them insight into uh, some of these things they've been dealing with and have been made to feel like, you know, ah, oh, it's in your head or this isn't quite right. Or, you know, and the reality of it is, is no, it very much is an objective measure within your genome and how your proteins are built. And so, so I would go back and prepare myself for that mm-hmm. um, with it. I'm, I'm now very prepared for it. I almost always, when I do consults, you know, by the end of it, it's, it's, it's an incredibly rewarding kind of it's incredibly rewarding feeling when your patients are like, this was, this is what I needed. This was so helpful. Yeah. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. And I think, you know, that that's just a great way to, to end and talk about the promise of pharmacogenomics and what it offers Mm -hmm. to our patients. And the fact that, you know, as pharmacists, we're privileged to sort of be the steward for it. Well, that is all the time that we have today. I just want to thank Chris for joining us today to discuss the implementation of pharmacogenomics at Mayo Clinic, Arizona. Uh, Before we leave, I encourage you all to check out ASHP's Innovation Center at ashp.org slash innovation. The latest offering from the ASHP Innovation Center is the Pharmacogenomics Accelerator, which will initiate its inaugural cohort this spring through an all-teach, all-learn collaborative environment and one-on-one support from implementation coaches and subject matter experts. This program will help accelerate pharmacogenomic services at your institution. You can learn more about it on our website or by emailing ASHP Innovation Center at ashp.org. Thanks for listening in today to Innovation Friday podcast episode and be sure to follow the at ASHP official podcast for more innovative topics. 
Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.